Super fascinating weekend. Uh, seems like non-energy news, but it is actually energy related. And I'll tie back that here in a little bit. But drama at OpenAI, just fucking bizarre. Um, let me kind of run through sequential order of events of what's happened over the last couple of weeks. So first, November 6th, OpenAI has their dev day. And they come out, they show all these new features. You know, one of the big features for us was build your own GPT. You can um, actually kind of create this small instance for GPT, train it up on some of your files and data and say, hey, you know, I, I need you for this specific task. Everyone's pumped about it. You know, they probably kill a thousand startups with that <laughs> announcement alone, all these startups that have raised money being GPT wrappers. So lots of buzz about what's happening with that. Sam had also said that they just had a major breakthrough at OpenAI and was kind of cryptic about it. And there was some um, speculation that they'd made major progress towards true AGI of this true human intelligence um, AI discovery. And along with that, his co-founder had tweeted out, his co-founder is Ilya. And Ilya is like one of the, I mean, he's just one of the leading scientists and researchers in uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence. Like there's a huge fight uh, for him between OpenAI and Google. And I've heard Elon, Elon said it was the toughest recruiting battle he's ever had getting him okay. over to OpenAI. So the dude is, you know, kind of revered when it comes to artificial intelligence. He tweeted out around that same time, something along the lines of if you value intelligence over the qualities that make humans special and unique, you're going to have a bad time. And so you start looking at those things, it kind of seemed like, Ilya is very much kind of doomsday um, thinking around AI and AGI and what it means. Basically, his point of view is we need to slow down. We need to be safe. Yeah. 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 And make sure that these, these intelligent beings that we're making are aligned with human values. And he actually has this video. It's a good way of thinking about it. He's like, I think about it like humans relationships with animals he's like do we respect animals and love animals he's like yeah of course he's like but when we want to make a highway between one city and another city do we ask for the opinion of the animals he's like no we just do it he's like i think that that's how ai will be with humans that that's andreessen's point that it's a really really fancy hammer it's a tool ai is a tool it is not going to take over the world and i i actually i actually i agree with andreessen to a certain degree because in that same video that I was just talking about Ilya, he has this vision that the world someday is going to be covered in solar panels and data centers. And I'm like, oh, great. So our AI overlords are dependent on intermittent power. They're not <laughs> going right. to right. be around at nighttime. So that's <laughs> when we can like, <laughs> and so that's actually like we'll one reason cave dwellers. I don't buy into the doomsday predictions because it's like, unplug the fucking GPUs. And so we're going to become um, chud. So cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. We're going to live in the, in the, in the sewers and come out at night. Did, I just uh, saw something about this, about the, uh, uh, what are the tunnels under Paris called? Uh, the, you have to know this. I did, the catacombs? The catacombs. We got a guest in here. Do we got a great fucking, baseball player? I know. Around. The athletic ability of this room has gone up. This went up a notch. <laughs> quadruple. We have Mark's Mark's son here with us. Um, anyway, I squatted like you know 180 <laughs> pounds today. <laughs> we'll get I back to that. Let me let me continue so. on this timeline. So, 
November 6th, OpenAI has their demo day. November 17th, which was this past Friday, all of a sudden, Sam Altman, CEO, founder CEO of OpenAI, is ousted by the board. It's fucking bizarre. Fastest growing company of all time by a order of magnitude, and the CEO is ousted. But as things start unraveling, it becomes even more clear just how uh, sudden this was. Microsoft, who's invested, I don't know how much billions, my, billion, it's in billions, had no notice of it until one minute before it was announced. Um, Sam Altman. Gets Wait, on, they're on the board, though. No, they don't have a board seat. They don't. No. Okay. No. Which is interesting. Just, just capital and cloud space. What is actually, I heard that most of the investment that. was actually like kind of computational power yeah, GPUs. Okay. And so they don't have a board seat. Sam gets an invite for Google Meet, which is also funny if they're using Google Meet when they're backed by Microsoft, <laughs> not Microsoft Teams, gets on there and it's all the board members, except for Greg, who Greg's the other co-founder, but he sits on the board and they say- He was chairman. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Sam, we're letting you go. And all of a sudden they put out this, they put out this blog post and it hits Twitter and the blog post says something along the lines of, we're firing Sam. He hasn't been consistently candid with us and we don't trust working with him. So they fired him with cause. That yeah. must be a with cause. But statement. all the speculation was is that, oh, Sam did something bad externally outside of the company. Usually this goes towards like, you know, sexual assault or something like this because of how they position that message. So, you know, rumors are just flying like crazy on Twitter. People are pulling up old tweets from Sam's sister where she's saying that her and Jack Altman, or she was molested by Sam Altman and Jack Altman, her brothers, and how they're like these bad people. And so everyone's like, oh, is this what it's about? Because those tweets are only from a few weeks ago. So all this shit's just going on. And then Greg, the other co-founder, he puts out this notice that says, in light of what's happened today, I quit. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's baller. That actually means, you know, he's defending Sam and there's something more to this. Anyways, OpenAI's employees put out this, uh, they put out this, essentially this demand to the board on Saturday that says, y'all are going to reinstate Sam by 5 p.m. or else we're all quitting. And the whole company's quitting. Anyways, the board didn't make that deadline. There's all this stuff going down. What I love is that this is all documented on Twitter. My favorite post is Sam Altman makes a post yesterday and it's of him wearing an open AI lanyard with a guest pass. And <laughs> it's wearing a guest pass and he posts, he takes a picture of it. He says, this is the first and last time I'll ever wear <laughs> this badge. And everyone's like, oh shit, Sam's going back in there to take over a CEO. And long story short, um, uh, Microsoft's CEO gets involved. Uh, Satya, is that his? Satya? Satya. Satya. Satya yeah. Nadella, um, Microsoft CEO, and makes a post this morning and says, you know, we're extremely excited to have Sam and Greg and the rest of the OpenAI team that's leaving, joining us at Microsoft to run our artificial intelligence team, Sam's the CEO of it. And so this is just like 4D chess where now, and Microsoft also has access to the IP from OpenAI through their investment. And so now you just brought on Sam, Greg, and all the team that's following them from OpenAI. 
just got this, I mean, hive mind of the best AI talent and you have access to the IP from OpenAI so they can just pick up where they left off. And it's been, everyone's comparing it to when Steve Jobs is ran out of Apple, except that was on a 12 year timeline. And everyone's like, this is the AI driven 24 hour, 48 hour <laughs> version of uh, Steve Jobs getting ran out of Apple and brought, you know, brought back. And anyways, Microsoft really just kind of flexing and, you know, flexing their muscle and you're bringing in essentially what was open defanging. So defanging so the have, board. So I have a totally unfounded take on this, but from reading it from abroad, being an energy guy, not being really a tech guy, not trafficking in those circles, what it looked like to me is you had a nonprofit, right? That started up. Yeah. That then created a division that was allowed to profit. Mm -hmm. Right. Correct. A for-profit division. But the for-profit division was not maximized profits. It was we're allowed to create some profits. That's mm -hmm. correct. And so just from the outside, it looked like a huge fight on how much money should be made, that sort of stuff. And something happened where Sam basically said, pulled an Eric Cartman and said, screw you guys, I'm going home. And whether he actually quit, got fired, however it goes down, you know, whatever. But it looks like it's a fight about commercialization and that commercialization is now going to happen at Microsoft as yeah. opposed to the other I, I think that that's pretty accurate. I, I would unpack that a little bit. So you look at this corporate structure that they have and it's super complex because to Chuck's point it starts off as a nonprofit. They start spinning up these other entities and where does the board sit? Where are the investors coming in? One, it's just way too complex. Then your actual board is a board. I mean, kind of be honest here. It's a bunch of scrubs. Like the only one that actually deserves to be on there is the CEO of Cora, which is still kind of like, you know, B team. Yeah. Kind of B team, but you know, oh, you used no, we just flex and call it B-team. <laughs> but I mean, you used to have Elon Musk, Reed Hoffman. I mean, this this wouldn't have happened if you had read someone like Reed Hoffman on the board. I mean, mm. or Elon Musk. I mean, um, you have uh I, I don't have their names written down, but one of the ladies, she's an academic. She's been an academic her whole life, you know, never actually been mm. part of an operator. There were some weird things there, you know, spent a lot of her time in China in artificial intelligence and deep state. So there's a lot of things uh -oh. like, hey, is there like, I mean, OpenAI isn't just a tech company. They have created a material step change in technology, right? This new disruptive force and there's bad actors. You know, it's always like nuclear, like always, I don't laugh at it, but you know, we discovered nuclear technology and instead of like, oh, hey, how can we give infinite free energy to the world? Governments took it and said, how can we kill more people? with it, right? It's kind of the same thing with artificial intelligence. And so there's just a lot of, you know, things that could be at play in the background that we're not aware of. Um, but to Chuck's point, you know, I don't think it was just about how much profit. I think that it came, I think that the tension comes down to safety and alignment and commercialization. Sam saying, hey, we're taking this new tech to, to market and we're going to make a shit ton of money doing it while you have these independent board directors who don't have any skin in the game and they're mostly from a safety and kind of altruistic side and they're saying we're moving way too fast this is dangerous this and is my, and microsoft decided to 
essentially steamroll the whole thing because it is about profit maximization. <laughs> Microsoft's a for-profit company. There's yeah. A, yeah. There's, yeah, there's a couple threads that I think the board, number one, is you never fire anybody super quickly unless something goes down. Mm -hmm. So this might have been a last straw type of thing. Don't know. What's interesting is Sam doesn't have any equity in, in OpenAI. Right. Mm -hmm. So as I'm starting to unpack some of these, like maybe it didn't go down exactly, but the fact that Sam is now sitting at Microsoft for profit, having no really, um, you know, no contingencies or or conflicts of interest with OpenAI, I now can do whatever he wants. That's yeah. what I'm seeing because one of the things the board said publicly, which we don't know exactly, but he wasn't honest because he had all his fingers in other pies. Like he's trying to work on new chips with NVIDIA and new things to make AI better, stronger, faster. Maybe that's, this has been sort of in the works for a while. What you do know, you guys think? Yeah, I, I think, I think the, I, I was a little taken aback that he didn't have equity, but now as you walk through a lot of what you laid out, it was a matter of time. And how suboptimal this is. I mean, Sam's the commercial guy, right? That's mm -hmm. right. That's yeah. that's your commercial player. That's what Microsoft sees, mm -hmm. right? And so they're now fully aligned. Microsoft's sitting over here in this really misaligned position with this kind of weird, uh, weirdly constructed board with no kind of governance influence. Yeah. Well, we'll just you know we'll, we'll we'll just wait until the coup is finished. And well, and, I, I think to even add on to that, you know. There was rumors that Sam had already been talking to investors. Like you knew he was just going to go <laughs> start this again, right? And I mean, Sam would raise ten billion at a hundred billion dollar pre money valuation, just given who he is and obviously mm -hmm. his track record. And people are like, "Why would he go essentially take a W two at Microsoft?" And like, well, one, Microsoft has it's a three trillion dollar company. Well, it, but it has a knowledge base that OpenAI didn't. OpenAI didn't have proprietary training data, and they have all this distribution through Microsoft Office. So mm -hmm. it, they have a lot. To, plus, they've already budgeted $50 billion in computational power for <laughs> AGI. So, I mean, infinite balance sheet and resources for Sam to go build this out. And I like, he made a comment on Friday night on Twitter. I think Sam started drinking and it was about to get like really <laughs> spicy. <laughs> But he said, if I start going off, the open AI board should go after me for the full value of my shares. <laughs> Zero. I was like, oh shit. I was like, this is about to get, this is about to get good because he has nothing to lose, right? And um, anyways, so really just kind of bizarre 48 hours there. Um, yeah, but la I mean, if you look at some of the, the tweets, everyone in the company is saying open AI is nothing without its people and Sam's liking it. Yeah. So they're all coordinated around they've communicated of, of the message and and as this is paraphrasing but as colin <laughs> tweeted somewhere in the middle of all this this is why i don't have a board <laughs> <laughs> that's a harsh paraphrase but <laughs> i said that's why i don't have any scrubs on my board which we also don't have a board right now but we have chuck here so that's all we need are but, you a scrub chuck no Mis i, I want to know Mr. how many scrub. dms Mr. you scrub. sent Andre andreessen this weekend <laughs> <laughs> we need a we need a chuck uh we need a counter yeah like, how many how many Just consecutive messages side yeah. chuck sent another dm but anyway. no well but on that point absolutely blew my mind i mean sam altman when you hear people like paul graham 
and Brian Chesney and all these people uh, uh, talking about Sam mm-hmm. Altman. I mean, everyone talks about how good of an entrepreneur he is, and he's one of the best of this generation. And I'm like, it's hard for me to wrap my head around how did you have such a incompetent board involved in one of the most important technologies of all time like that it's not yeah. it's not the fact of having a board it's a fact of who you had on your board mm-hmm. it's it's and an the immaturity issue. the immaturity showed in how they went through this even with that blog post that they put yeah like it was just a, sh- a, a shit mess and so it kind of blows my mind how all of this has been structured um and Essentially, the value, I mean, their secondary offering that they're having is at a $90 billion valuation. It hasn't closed. And now, you know, from my perspective, this is how crazy fast it happened. Friday morning, I woke up. I have screenshots in my emails. I was sending out emails, and I sent out one to a friend. Hey, I'm trying to get access to GPT Enterprise. Do you have any channels through Bain? Because right now, I mean, the queue is just so, so mm-hmm. long. And so I'm trying to, like, get access through some of these bigger partnerships Sending out those emails on Friday morning, Friday night, I'm like, OpenAI is going to zero. Like, that's how quick. I mean, OpenAI is dead. And but what does Sam mean by this one hour ago? We have more unity and commitment and focus than ever before. We are all going to work together some way or other. And I'm so excited. One team, one mission. I don't know. Is he talking about Microsoft or is he talking about <laughs> OpenAI? I don't know. He says that there's room for OpenAI and Microsoft to work together. Dude. But- I mean, he's a killer operator, so that just, and there was already this weird, dyna- there's so many different ways to skin this cat of like weird dynamics because there was already talk about some rifts between OpenAI and Microsoft. Cause you look at it, Microsoft has contributed a large amount of capital to OpenAI as an mm-hmm. investor, but OpenAI and Microsoft have tension because Microsoft's building their own AI. And so they're kind of competing together, right? I mean, Sam is retweeting Sat Nadella's comment about we're going to work with OpenAI. This might have been constructed the entire time by See, Microsoft. I'm telling, I like I. And there's, like also, a there's also script. some. There's this also, sounds way too. There's also there's also someone. some theories out there of hey, we've had this whole nonprofit structure. How does Sam and team get out of it? Yes, and so there's. No equity I don't entanglements. Like, I don't feel like we're getting full story from face <laughs> yeah, value. But this but is yeah, what do those non-competes look like, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, because don't forget, too, is part of profitability, commercialization, and all that stuff puts into question every dollar that had been donated to the nonprofit. Yeah. And yeah. so Elon Musk, I'm sure, wrote off. What did he donate? A hundred million to something it? significant. It was yeah. a lot. Yeah, I'm sure he wrote that off as taxes, and he's going, uh, uh-uh, uh, you don't, you don't start moving towards commercialization there because that throws my tax. You know, what's, yeah, what's thirty five yeah. million dollars worth of taxes plus interest? Well, over that's what ten you know, years. Elon right? always asks. He's like, how did I donate money to something that's nonprofit and is now a for profit? Right. And so, so CEO, this is this is Satya's Satya's. I, 11 hours ago, he says, we remain committed, the CEO of Microsoft, we remain committed to our partnership with OpenAI and have confidence in our product roadmap, our ability to continue to innovate with everything we announce at Microsoft Ignite and in continuing to support our customers and partners. We look forward to getting to know Emmett Shear and OpenAI's new leadership team and working with them. And we're extremely excited to share the news that Sam Altman and Greg Brockman, <laughs> together with colleagues, will be joining Microsoft <laughs> 
to lead a, a new advanced AI research team. We look forward to moving quickly to provide them with the resources needed for their success. I'm sorry, I just don't Sam, see that. Sam replies going, the mission continues, but you know who is the ultimate, uh, the best on Twitter, Elon Musk himself. This is Elon's reply to that. <laughs> now they'll have to use Teams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Elon just starting the, the worst pl platform but that's, ever. I just don't see where does OpenAI bring value because the new CEO of, uh, of OpenAI is the former co-founder of Twitch killer business and operator but you're losing most a uh, significant portion of the open ai teams going over to microsoft and so i'm just like if microsoft has what's valuable in open ai what value is there in a partnership but so here's our get out question when it all said and done this is this is this is the number that we'll hold ourselves to uh i'll even go first on this so you guys can think of the answer how much in the way of stock options did Sam get as part of his deal to join Microsoft? I'm going to say he got $750 million of options. I'm going to just go with the, the clean half billion. Clean half billion. I don't think they were options because options have gone. But you know what I mean. Whatever the long-term the long equity incentive. Long-term equity incentive. Performance-based. Yes. Right? He got absolutely he, performance. He got what was the valuation? Value. Ninety billion. Ninety billion. Yeah, it's over a billion. It's over a billion. All right, single digit billion. Because I mean, generally speaking, mm -hmm. in, in at least in oil and gas private equity, management's getting twenty to thirty percent of. So the this profits. might be one of the cheapest investments. Turn everything Microsoft into a carried interest. Made. Yeah. Yeah, I think it. I think it can be. Yeah. What do you think? Oh, we didn't ask Colin. <sighs> You didn't give it's tough to say. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give kind of a variable answer here. So I definitely think that's over a billion dollars total comp. But if I'm looking at it on a yearly basis, like I, I bet that they're paying them twenty to thirty million dollars salary <clears throat> um, to be over there. And I'm basing this off of if you just look at like AI positions that these companies like OpenAI. I mean, a lot of their employees are making like a million bucks. And that's just kind of where the market's at. Yeah. If you're if you're a machine learning expert, like that's what that's you're in making. guaranteed comp. Yeah. yeah. And so cool. I could see them, you know, getting between twenty and thirty million dollars a year guaranteed comp salary. Um, but man, to get someone like Sam, and let's say that Sam's <clears throat> dropping the effective altruism bullshit and just being a capitalist again. I mean, he always was a capitalist. Yeah, which. Kind of makes me, I don't know, everyone that I hear about Sam has nothing like but great things to say, but I hate the, oh, I don't have equity. Like, why are you? We, this is not, I mean, it, this doesn't make sense unless you think about this has been in the works. Not, I'm not saying in a conspiracy way, but it's been a discussion. He's like, man, no equity. It's nonprofit. It doesn't make sense. I'll join. Let's figure it out. I'm sure Microsoft's been working. That's probably why Microsoft didn't want a governance board seat probably so they could have so they the yeah. this flexibility it seems yeah it just seems all well too played out that i mean i'm saying this is probably one of microsoft's cheapest investments of all time on the other side of the spectrum another energy story by the way last night cruise's ceo cruise you know owned by G gm spends billions of dollars buying this autonomous driving car yeah, self-driving car yeah 
Well, their CEO and one of the co-founders resigned last night, which is perfect timing because it's like he's being lost in the noise. But but Cruise lost its license to operate in California. Do you join? Do you join Microsoft? <laughs> that would be a coup. That would be. That'd, they lost. I don't know. Their, they they don't lost want, their li- license in California. They lost her. Yeah, Cruise lost its license in California. Oh, they shit. can't operate in California. Well, dude, they were kind of getting screwed over on this lawsuit that they had. Um, I can't remember the case verbatim, mm-hmm. but essentially, they hit a, a emergency they, vehicle, but the wreck mm-hmm. wasn't caused by them. Like a car had hit either a pedestrian or another vehicle. I, I really need to look this up. Had hit someone and they flew over and hit the cruise car. And now cruise is kind of taking the brunt end of it. Well, it, it may be a different one. It was in San Francisco and the cruise vehicle was coming through the middle of an intersection. An emergency vehicle was coming the other way. And when emergency vehicles coming with lights on, and flashing you move over and it didn't it didn't respond in time that may be a different well interesting is ceo of gm mary barra projected that cruise would generate a billion in sales by 2025 and help double gm's revenue to 240 billion by the end of the decade you know that's kind of crazy because i don't did we talk about hillion last week on the show we did yeah did we but i was laughing because as i was researching that I found an analyst from like Seeking Alpha or something and like, you know, talking with uh, Hillion's team, they anticipate doing $2 billion in revenue by 2024. I mean, that's coming up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they did $1.7 million in the last trailing 12 months. I'm like, that's, fuck, I thought some of my projections <laughs> were bad. <laughs> like, Oops. you guys are off by like- I mean, Cruise is criminal. the company that I complained about when I was trying to charge my EV at the at the local fast charger and crew, all those Cruise's cars were taking up all the spots. But their technology's cool and it works. They've raised over, they've burned through, guess what? 1.4 billion of the 1.7 billion they raised. Damn. So you've got Cruise, the big, you know, thumbs down. CEO resigns, saying like we're we're totally not hitting anything. And then you've got this incredible coup on the OpenAI side on the other spectrum. Microsoft looking like they know exactly what they're doing. I'd love to hear Elon Musk's real opinion of what's going on because he he probably has his. Ear I also I also want to add. This is circling back a little bit to Microsoft acquisitions, but I was just looking this up while you were talking because I think that. Uh, uh, you know, Microsoft specifically, uh, how do we say his name? Satya? I'll get that down. Satya, let's just say it. Okay. But they acquired LinkedIn in 2016 for $26 billion, and now LinkedIn's doing $15 billion in revenue. Yeah. pretty fucking- Bad investment. <laughs> bad investment. So they've been making some pretty prime acquisitions. But, but I mean, the bottom line, and this comes back to something we almost- have gotten to the point of about talking weekly on the podcast about is AI is going to be everywhere. I mean, it just says, oh, I've absolutely. Gone, you and I were talking about this the other day. I've gone from in the last six months thinking Google was the greatest website ever created to now Google sucks because it doesn't give us the answer like, like chat GPT does. And so anyway, at the end of the day, all of this commercialization, AI and stuff, comes down to where we need a hell of a lot more power because we'll go back to our often quoted Google search is one watt of power. AI-driven search is five watts of power. AI yeah. is Kevin Bacon. Yeah. It's right? Kevin That's exactly Bacon. right. It's Kevin, Kevin Bacon. Bacon. Yeah. It's Kevin Bacon. 
There we go. We'll, we'll catch you up. Reference. We'll catch you up offline. I just want yeah, we'll ChatGPT to at least <laughs> when I'm typing a message or or using Siri in my damn iPhone, and it always wants to autocorrect to what it thinks I'm saying, and it's always wrong. ChatGPT will be like, "I know what you're saying, bro. I get it, dude." Yeah, I need to. I need ChatGPT to add the like oil fill bro, you know, filter on there. No, that's that's uh, that's exactly right. So, I mean, at the end of the day, this all just comes back to we're going to need so much more power. It just goes back to it goes back to Elliot's video of the world being covered with solar panels and data centers, and it's like, man, we have such a long ways to educate (laughs) the tech sector on. Speaking of more pressure on the grid. Oh. Fire away, Mark. <laughs> this this sounds fire. Mark, come well, in with that transition. Uh, our president is invoking the 1950s Cold War era Defense Production Act to motivate, I think, the largest ever $169 million to nine heat pump projects across a number of manufacturers. And so we've got a policy acceleration of heat pumps in the U.S. via uh, essentially a war powers type of act, executive action, right? I mean, which is kind of a holy cow thing to do, you know, of like all the things to use executive power on. To Well, it's, it's and consistent in, in the minds of the proponent with the emergency state of, and, the, and the war on climate change. Yeah. I, I I happened to be um, perusing LinkedIn. Uh, Jim Murchie, I don't know if you guys know who Jim Murchie is. Jim Murchie was an original Tiger Cub, um, Sanford Bernstein. He's he describes himself as a professional non-cyclical energy inv- infrastructure investor. Now, uh, brilliant guy, um, former client. First time I ever heard him speak publicly, he said at a conference back in, I believe, 1999, he was talking about Exxon's buybacks relative to Texaco. And he said, over this time, Exxon has shrunk itself by the equivalent of two Texacos. And over this same time, Texaco should have shrunk itself to zero. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought what he summarized his fairly long piece uh, on LinkedIn, and I Mm. encourage you to go read it, Energy Transition Motivational Speaking, said, but let's not forget about the motives of utility maximizing customers who want the best performance and the lowest price. Buyers of clean energy or electric vehicles want reliability, convenience, safety, and low cost, and not just clean. Mm-hmm. Last paragraph, the energy transition will ultimately be driven by two powerful forces, returns on capital and consumer preference, just like all industrial transitions. Aspirational policy goals for cleaner energy will go unmet unless policies harness these forces rather than fight them. And so this Defense Production Act invocation looks a little bit like fighting those forces. Yeah. No, anyway. I, think, I, I mean, look, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, there's going to be so much pressure, and, it, mm-hmm. and all it is is driving up the costs on not what I'll call, quote-unquote, non-clean stuff to put it out of business. I mean, that's what they're doing, and they won't just say that. Yeah. It's not going to work, though. I mean, it's just going to – it's not going to work. And, the, and the, sad, the sad thing is, is if we were more thoughtful about it, we could probably use that money much better on R&D for new stuff. We could make some trade-offs, some various other things. And that, that's what kind of gets me because 
the end of the day, higher higher cost energy today kills just as much as climate change. I mean, even does back in the future, even yeah. back in my days um, at, at Shell, we we were looking at you know the heat pumps. Like, let's look get into the heat pump business, going from you know natural gas to electric. It makes a lot of sense. The challenge is, I mean, even look at were we passionately like what ERCOT announced last week about how they're going to be short of power. Mm-hmm. They um, went out, basically, basically ran a big bid <laughs> process to get people to turn on idle power uh, producing assets and got a big goose egg. Yeah, and nobody I mean, said they'd do it. I mean, last week, I mean, just, let's put it for real in real size. Last week, I'm sitting in the, I live in the middle of of the city of Houston. Mm-hmm. My power went out for no reason. And thank goodness I have a generator that's that's primed and fueled by natural gas, thank, thank God. And I was thinking, if I didn't have that, I'd be screwed. But let's for a minute think, if I have an electric heat pump, that's more, I'm drawing more power from the grid. It, it's just a hard conversation when you try to think about the pragmatism of going electric. That's mm-hmm. the point: is putting pressure on an already. Well, you know, did I just master the obvious right into your point? Yeah, Mark. Stay no, I, I thought it was a great discovery. reinforcement. But you guys know the playbook. Like you add these things, and then you just blame Bitcoin mining for it's <laughs> Bitcoins, <laughs> Bitcoin <laughs> mining. Hi, blame hydrocarbons. Blame. Republicans. Did y'all see this? Uh, I'm just looking on my Twitter real quick, kind of cruising through what's happened on the week. Did y'all see this uh, guy that was bashing the st- just stop oil protesters? Yes. In the UK? Oh, in the UK. Yeah, love this guy. Someone said that we need to get him on BDE, which we should absolutely try to hunt down who he is. But you know, just stop oils in the middle of the road doing a blockade, and he comes up. He's like, "What are y'all doing?" He's like, "This makes no sense at all. You're idiots." He's like, "What are your clothes made out of?" He's like, "My favorite line is like, he's like, you haven't thought this through." <laughs> <laughs> well, the sign they were carrying was made of plastic, so yeah, and, they were all wearing poly, and they all looked at each other, <laughs> dumbfounded, like. What is he talking about? But I just like so. My favorite line is he's like, if y'all really want to stop this, go live in the forest and sit in the dark. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, like, leave your home. It's like the bumper stickers from the 70s. But I love this guy. Like, it's finally, you know, it gives me some hope for civilization that we got some people out there with common sense that are starting to come. And I believe he said it with a British accent. Oh, yeah. No, he was definitely British. British. Yeah. Definitely British. That's what I'm saying. So they, they get it. All right. Uh, real quick, uh, and let's go speed round because you said you wanted 40 minutes and we're at 35. New president of Argentina. Yes. I'm excited. We've got a libertarian, the madman. Uh, I'm very excited. Javier, is it Malay? Malay. Malay is how. And so that brings up t- three things. One, he is all about liberalizing energy in Argentina. So breaking up the government monopoly, et cetera, et cetera. That's cool. He's very pro-Bitcoin. I mean, he's ready to to get rid of their central bank, go to the dollar and all that. But here's what we need to talk about real quick. So we're on the record of saying it, the Vaca Muerta. Do you know what Vaca, Vaca Muerta is? Muerta. Vaca Muerta? Vaca Muerta, yeah. I mean, it's, Death or it's something? the giant. It's the source rock down there in Argentina. Yes. Yeah, we, we, it is the largest accumulation of fracked wells outside of America, and they um, are supposedly kicking ass. They're where's this at? And some of the down most in Argentina, in the really? Tierra del, uh, del Fuego. It's it's some of the most. They're some of the most expensive wells as well. Yeah, absolutely. 
they're they're running like Shells 35 percent more than the Bakken than the Permian Basin. I've heard it described as a formation that is like the Permian only with pressure. Dang, Chuck's yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we should attorneys. Like, can I spin up a funder on this? Exactly. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Bill Von Gotten has been talking about this. Bill is a renowned, um, unconventional, uh, runs an unconventional consulting firm, not a nine iron from here across the freeway. And he's he's probably the most uh, immersed in the Vaca Muerta over the last few years. It's a freaking big nine iron, by the way, but I'll it's, go with it. Okay, it's driver nine iron. Driver nine, nine iron, but it's not far. And so, yeah, I mean, the, the, the quality of the, of the rock is world-class. It's just all of the above ground yeah, stuff the, that has gotten in the way over the, the last decade. That's the right? challenge because yeah, it's the pipelines above ground, it's expensive. Well, it's politics. It's all, the it's politics very, very expensive. And, and risking as, as uh, service providers, risking assets in country, at least their assets have wheels, but you know, at some point you're, you're facing kind of knee jerk nationalization um, and populism where, you know, you never get, you never get off of high center in terms of getting, yeah. uh, getting going from a development. Standpoint. I got it. I got a, a, a text from one of my, one of probably one of our best energy um, software CEOs in town, well known. He texts me saying the self styled anarcho capitalist who won Argentina's presidency on Sunday plans to ditch his nation's peso and adopt the U.S. dollar as the national currency. Yeah, and then he goes on to rant about he loves anarchy. Like he thinks I'm an anarchist, so he's like, <laughs> "Hey, we're anarchy, brother." He's actually calls himself an an nacho sindal syndicalist myself, which I don't know what that means. I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> There's an ointment the, for the, him, the sure. other thing about the Argentine presidential election. It's 32 million votes, all in person, counted in one day, in voter ID. Yeah. Not making any political statements here, but you, you got a presidential election done yeah. in one day with physical voting and vote and counting. The, and the problem we have is he doesn't have any control of the legislative branch, either house there. So potentially how much can he actually get done? Yeah, but we'll for see. at least we'll a, a moment, I'm kind of kind of hopeful. Mark, you want to hit the uh, the JPT article real quick? Yeah, I would just point everybody to read it. I it was part of my Sunday evening JPT or LinkedIn perusal. It was a nice summary on what's what's Mark happened has over an exhilarating lives. Yeah, Sunday evenings <laughs> over the last decade um, <laughs> with respect to all the produced water disposal that we've mm. gone about in the Permian Basin, and it focuses. It's a technical paper, but it's very consumable for the layperson. I think it's a pretty important one. They talk about you know the statistics over time and what's going on with the localized pressure around the uh, disposal or injection wells, but more importantly, what's going on with the background pressure. Pioneer started talking about you know going to four strings of casing in the Midland Basin because of the pressuring up of the back background pressure in the San Andres. You got mm -hmm. sulfate reducing bacteria, which creates an H two S problem and all kinds of hazards. So you're putting you're putting away a lot of water, and, and I, I may be recalling this uh, precise breakout, but it was surprising to me, and although it makes perfect economic sense, that 80% of the water has gone into the shallower disposal zones, which are above, obviously, the target hydrocarbon zones in both the Delaware and the Midland Basin. Below it, you've got the Ellenberger and the Fusselman, et cetera. Well, those wells cost a lot more because they're deeper. Mm -hmm. The other thing that was... Um, 
just kind of interesting little gee whiz statistics. Last year was more than 5 billion barrels of water disposal. Yeah. And over the course of, call it the 10 or 11 years of the shale revolution and having to do things with water, 35 billion barrels have been put away. And that that equals the volume of Toledo Bend, which is the largest lake in the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. dang. Massive amount of water. But um, because we had the recent earthquake event or seismicity event near uh, Pecos, the 5.3, you know, I think you, you start to see those things outside of climate and emissions come back into focus with respect to, okay, where's, you know, where's industry going with putting water away in inherently incompressible, finite places when we're talking about increasing volumes of water, just like we are. Yeah. Cause there, I mean, there's, a, there's a real theory that the possibility mm. of you've got fractures fault and you put a bunch of salt water in there, guess what? You lubricated it and you wind up getting earthquakes. Well, that's not a stretch. Also just, you know, overpressuring formations and things of that nature. But one thing it is doing is driving innovation in water recycling and treatment. True. And so there, there is a silver lining of this. So no question. A lot of pressure for those solutions to come out, which won't only be valuable for oil and gas, but probably be valuable to many different industries or aspects of. Uh, and that was the first JPT article I've read in mm-hmm. quite a long time. <laughs> don't fool me <laughs> all right last thing real quick 60th anniversary of the john f kennedy assassination on wednesday i wrote my senior thesis at rice on the kennedy assassination i'm gonna go on clyde pro and see how many times that has been mentioned i know it's show. like clyde pro is gonna be <laughs> now that it's on microsoft AI. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> But um, anyway, I have not watched the Paramount, what the doctors saw yet. So, Mark, I'm going to get you to summarize that in just a second. The interesting thing that's kind of come out recently that stirred the debate is a Secret Service agent named Paul Landis has said that at Parkland Hospital, he took the magic bullet off of Kennedy's stretcher and put it on Conley's stretcher. And if that is the case, and, you know, there's a, there's a whole notion of in the Kennedy assassination when somebody remembers something 60 years later. Oh, OK, maybe you're writing a book for money. I mean, I get that. But the flip side to it is. If that's true, the single bullet theory could not have happened, because as the Warren Commission uh, stands today, Oswald's first shot totally missed the car, hit a curb, shot a piece of concrete up and hit James Teague caused him to bleed on his cheek. Then the second shot uh, went uh, through Kennedy, took out and then went through Conley. And then the third shot went through Kennedy's head and, uh, and ultimately killed the, the president. If that bullet was not on Conley's stretcher, but was on Kennedy's stretcher, you can't have the single bullet. It, 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 and, most people, there's a lot of skepticism on whether one bullet that looks perfectly intact could have gone through and caused all the damage to both of them. Mm-hmm. So, Mark, you watched it. Yeah, it's on Paramount Plus, and if you don't have Paramount Plus, it's worth the one month and then cancel. Um, it's about two <laughs> exactly. hours long. And really, it centers on uh, the eyewitnesses and the doctors who were at Parkland in trauma room number one. There were seven of them that are both interviewed individually and then they come together at the end. Most of them have 
passed away. The, these interviews were recorded in, I believe, 2012, 2013. And a lot of the observations center on the fact that the wound, the president had a wound right at his right above his tie in his throat that was that were was uniformly described as what looked like an entrance wound. Yeah. And just a little now, bit of color real quick. So dad went to Southwestern Med School. The teaching hospital was Parkland. All the folks in that room were my dad's professors. It was also the county hospital for Dallas. And what dad will tell you is you are not at Parkland for three months without knowing the difference between an entrance and an exit wound. And what did he what did he say about that collection of doctors as well? And, and dad has always said that Kennedy was dead when that when that bullet hit his head. But if he had a shot to live, it would have been because of the collection of medical talent in that room. Dad said that was the most amazing group of doctors ever brought together. So, yeah. so there, there is that evidence that they directly observed and wrote notes about, which were subsequently confiscated and destroyed. And the fact that they had to, to intubate and, and do a tracheotomy, so that wound was already there. And basically the, the official autopsy um, over, overseers were saying, well, that's, that's just a function of, of the intubation and kind of the, the right. having to punch that hole. The second thing is, is that the observations, uh, all very clear headed. And, and this is a hospital that had dealt with like 5,000 gunshot wounds a year. Yeah. So they're expert it's in this the stuff. It's the county hospital. I mean, right. it's where and so, anyone shot that didn't have insurance went to Parkland. And right? so the back of the president's right side of his skull was missing a, a pretty large chunk, right? Yeah. And subsequently- That's from an exit, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, I anybody, mean, if, that's usually if you've ever case. hunted big game, you know what entrance and exit wounds look like, mm -hmm. yeah. okay? And so they wheel the president out. If you've ever hunted big game. I hunt small I don't, game, I guess. Maybe you should be more, Dr. Like maybe should be more of a man cake. <laughs> it was Dr. Dr. Earl Rose. Dr. Earl Rose. Who was the county county medical examiner, examiner and dad's pathology attempt, professor. Attempted to stop the gurney that was wheeling the president's body out to take it back to, to uh, DC. Bethesda in D.C. as quickly as possible. In state law at that time, when there was a murder in that particular in a particular county, that autopsy had to be done according to state law. Well, Secret Service agent picked Dr. Rose up by his lapels the way it's described and basically said, you need to get out of the way. Yeah. And, and furthermore, at the end, the doctors who were completely in over their heads at Bethesda who conducted the autopsy were doing things like allegedly cleaning out all of the they, – they removed his brain – and they cleaned out all of the bullet fragments from the skull cavity and then put it all back together. In fact, and even, in fact, sewed up the, the spot in the back you're, of the scalp. You're, you're supposed to trace the, go through and you slice so you can trace the yeah. back. They didn't even trace the, the back wound. They stuck their finger. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Just say that we had a evidence that the official story isn't true. What does it mean? Like, what happens? Like you even this, see this with like stuff today of like I mean this is this a lot is, of stuff around COVID that's just not this is doesn't jive with the, doesn't it's, jive with the full story but I'm just saying like it it becomes evident that it is true like the CIA could come out right now and say hey we killed John F Kennedy and guess what like what like yeah. what happens what changes everybody's dead that was involved I think that right. there's a natural inclination that people you want to say tinfoil hat on big ideas. Big, on big conspiracies or big when something's too big people can't 
rationalize. In this case, it's too big. So we're like, it's tinfoil hat. So that's why people are like, man, if I go out on a limb saying there, there's no way this happened, it, it's it, it's fake. It, he was actually, it was a conspiracy beyond one single shooter. You, you're made out to be crazy. But see, here's but here's my real question though, is like, say it's not tinfoil hat <clears throat> we have, I mean, just 100% proof that official story is wrong. Some, uh, some uh, CIA contract killer shot. Let me, re let me relate it to it. CIA let me relate to it in our story that we kicked off on. There's a multi-billion dollar organization that does stuff in AI. <laughs> and it's kind of fucked up because people really want to see how much money you can make there. What just happened over the weekend? A huge coup. And guess who winds up at the big shop is the CEO <laughs> that's sort of been orchestrating this from the beginning. When, when a lot of money or power come into play, weird shit happens. And in this case, there's no way our federal government, if they're guilty, y'all make the decision, is ever going to come out going, we did it. They're going to be like, we don't know what happened because it's too My big. point is if they did come out and say that they did it, still- It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like shit, so, like, what, shit doesn't change. No one's going to like, no one would do anything. Like, it's like, oh yeah. Like, Mark's going to not vote anymore. Shot's Chuck. finally going to record a podcast. Like I told you that's motherfuckers a, I was right. And that's like, that's like the, the fallout from it. So one last thing. And I, I read this this morning, separate source. Um, David Blackman writes a substack called Energy Transition Absurdities. But he has a sidelight. He's a real aficionado on the assassination. He's studied it for decades. He's done a tremendous amount of research. And I don't subscribe to energy absurdities, although I will now. But the part I was able to read that was free was talking about, look, to understand what happened in 1963, as you piece all this together, you really have to go back to prohibition. And before there was an FBI oh. and CIA formally, you had – the as he described it, you had the Italian and the Jewish mafia who were really running amok mm -hmm. that ultimately JFK and RFK were trying to rein in. Trying to rein in. In yeah. fact, so you, you can come up with all kinds of threads in that buildup of history that converge with those players defined as the FBI, the CIA, and then JFK and RFK. And if you've ever seen um, what was Scorsese's long kind of epic on um, Hoffa, uh, The Irishman. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah you I just started watching that movie. The, the whole RFK um, saga through the middle right. of that. Right. So. Well, because that because you're bringing up the whole point is we talk about the CIA killed Kennedy. It literally could be us four got together because the CIA, the mafia, the anti-Castro uh, uh, Cubans, et cetera, they were all running in the same circles trying mm -hmm. to do stuff. And so using your contract bits and pieces from all those different organizations causes all of those organizations to cover their tracks, even if it was just yeah, one. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, fascinating stuff. Cool. I have to check that out, man. We uh, went across a broad spectrum today from opening. It's a holiday, man. JFK. Yeah, it and is back. a holiday. Hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving. We'll be back uh, next week. So you got plenty of time to listen to the show, share it with a friend. See y'all next time.